The question is simple. What is worship? We've been looking at this for the past few programs. Today we have a final look before we move on in our series, Don't Waste Your Life. Join us. If you think about it, many would say that worship is a waste of time. Yet, as we are seeing from God's Word, specifically here in Philippians chapter 3, worship is the key ingredient to having a very fulfilled life rather than a wasted one. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, helping you understand what worship is and incorporating it into your life on a regular basis is what we're about today. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Phil Howard as we kick off today's broadcast of Truth For Today. I think one of the most moving things that happened when our music team went back to Brentwood is that, uh, I mean, there was seminar after seminar on how to do music, how to do this. And I mean, this was an outstanding group. You couldn't keep up. Brentwood's just like a suburb of Nashville and everybody that coughs there can get a hit. You know, I mean, there's so much talent. Your ego can be shrunk quick. You really aren't that good. You've just been running around with folks that aren't any good. You go, this crowd, they're good. They know how to get the note, how to do it, this and that. But this man was showing off these wonderful a cappella singers from Lee University. And oh, could these kids sing. About 18 to 20. Just beautiful, right out of Cleveland. Beautiful singers. And then all of a sudden he did something that just seemed to come out of nowhere. He just started singing the chorus. Take my houses and my lands. Take all my dreams and crush my plans. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'll be willing to serve you. Whatever it takes for my will to break, that's what I'll be willing to do. An old Lanny Wolf song, sang it many times. I tell you, my will broke and my tears flowed as I rehearsed all my vows to God since I've been 15. Worship ultimately is about God getting you. I beg of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, give God your body as a logical, reasonable, spiritual act of service. Worship's not just about bands and music. It's about people who have bowed and said, you are Lord. You're in charge of where I live, what money I make, who I date, uh, how long I stay married, my death, my life. You are Lord. I've come to bow down and say, I am not Lord of my life. I've got a Lord. It's you, the great, great God. I ascribe glory, honor, power, and majesty for your greatness, for your mercy, for your great attributes. Until God has your heart, you're just a phony. You're going through external motions without any reality. For Isaiah well said of you, you draw nigh to God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. 
Don't be deserved, de- deceived by uh, meetings where there's a lot of loud music, a lot of anything, a lot of this. We can all go through form and ritual. You can preach and not be worshiping. See, I grew up um, two avenues. I grew up with the emotional crowd. We all got saved in a microwave oven. If you didn't cry, we thought you'd backslid. If you didn't get happy or shout at least once a month, what's your problem? Because we were responsive and excited. And some, and, but you know what we lacked? Was the truth intellectual side. We lacked a lot of teaching. We starved to hear the Bible. But we were giving our tithes and serving and singing till you fall over. We just didn't have anybody teach us the Bible. Then I wound up going to schools where, boy, they know the Bible. And you know what I found out? The Bible knowledge tripled and the emotions went down to about plus one. It was weird. I'm learning the Bible over here, learning all this great truth. And there's some classes where I'd be overwhelmed with the truth. And guys said, are you okay? You got a cold? You got an allergy? Hey, guy, I'm broken. This is marvelous. Well, let's not be emotional. Let's just get it. We're going to be tested on this in three weeks. Seminary and college is flunky if you don't pass, you know. You've got to pass the knowledge quotient. And so I find people in church. There's two kinds of church that's developed. High church, low church. I'll let you figure out what you think we are. High church, liturgical. Uh, Certain rituals and forms have to be there. You have to have clergy dressed a certain way many times. There's a certain uh, as though inspired order for the service. You must definitely have a a powerful organ. It it helps to have the cathedrals of of Europe. They're, They're incredible. They're empty, but they're incredible. I've been to them. And, and you have this high church order and everything's under control. And, and we do this and we do that. We genuflect. We do even the Catholics. We do this. We, what's this? Did you worship? No, I just went through what I was taught. I learned that catechism. What does it mean? It, it means nothing. I'm still living in sin. I'm still sleeping with this gal, but I, I'm a Catholic. And, and we develop our own little ritual. You know, we, we go through our little stuff. Every group's got their own little routine. That's almost sacrosanct. And any change in the service, everybody gets nervous. Uh, but the high church folks are a lot of form, a lot of ritual, a lot of uh, great classical music, a lot of this and that. Then there's what you call the low church. It comes from England. What was known as the nonconformists. They left the Anglican church. And when they left the Anglican church, they wound up in shacks. They wound up in cabins. They wound up in house churches until they could build buildings. And many times their buildings were close to looking like a barn, if you know anything about the Wesleyan Methodists. They were very simple buildings. They took out everything that looked Catholic, everything that had uh, candles, the symbols, uh, no big uh, mu- musical instruments. They didn't have, this was a poor church. Now this group tended to thrive on evangelism, great emotion, and, of course, great preaching eventually as their preachers developed. Over here was the wealth, was the culture, and great thinking, this type thing. And often this was seen as the, uh, 
the weaker side of God's family. In my heart, when I came to this place, one of my greatest problems was, what can we do in a service now that I've left my roots that won't offend somebody? Uh, Because when I first started, the only thing I knew, I grew up as a Pentecostal boy, went to Baptist schools. Now, what can I do when I want to have church? One, I can't play my guitar. Because I've been told by every prof I had up to that time, that is out. But I didn't know how to play the organ. They're hard to carry. (laughs) Everything I knew, I learned on this guitar and learned it with my sister. and, And our music was so simple. I mean, if we had six chords in it, that was great. If you found the relative minor and you didn't think it was the key of R, you were doing good. I mean, I thought it was a demolish. I didn't know it was a diminish. You folks so dumb, you don't even know how to laugh at that. I sat in one time with a guy in a jam and his church had already started. I said, what key is it? He said, I don't know, but I'm playing it in G. Then, I mean, you don't even play it in the same key? I mean, way down there. But we would take those simple songs and sing until the presence of God had flooded the place. I can't explain it. I mean, we just sing it and sing it. And pretty soon, you, then pretty soon, we'd have a great service. And this is what we used to say, there's no preaching, great service. How many of you praying for that to happen? I can see it. It's a hostile group in this church. Yeah, a great service was the glory was so thick you couldn't preach. And I've experienced that. And when you had preachers that didn't know how to preach, it really was a specialty. Just overwhelmed with God. Altar services. Praying with people. Lots of prayer. Lots of emotion. Lots of tears. Lots of joy. Lots of that. Do you know what? I thought, Lord, if I become a Bible preacher, would you let me have some of that still? Or did that go away because I'm running with a different crowd because I got into eternal security and election and stuff at the denomination. I liked all the enthusiasm. They just didn't like my Calvinism. But I like Romans. So I said, I want to preach the Bible, but... Can I still taste of those veins? But now, now what I'm going to do if Sister Jones comes from one of those churches I went to and she starts jumping on the third pew, I can't let her do that. We've got to have some order. And then i got this one crowd that's so orderly, if I just see them breathe heavy, I'm glad. Because you conservatives love conservative church. It expects nothing of you. Just sit and critique the sermon. Be critical or be blessed. But you don't have to engage your heart. It's all on us up here. I'm totally against that. The Bible's totally against it. It's a sin. It's why churches are dying on the vine. We've robbed you people of what your participation. You ought to be able to get as happy in the pew as I get in the pulpit. You ought to be as thrilled with God out there as I think I am up here. It's your birthright. Don't let the preacher take it from you. We won't let the Pope take it. Don't let the preachers take it. You're free in God. You've got a song to sing or you're unsaved. You've got something to respond to or you don't know him. 
And the Raiders outdo all of you in fanaticism. So don't tell me I'm just not emotional until I get on the black jacket. No, you've got another God that pushes your button. You don't have the right God. You've got a bunch of thugs over there. They pour beer on you while they're shouting for their team. I know I've been there. And you come here and you all look sophisticated. You hypocrite, you're not that hypocrite. No, you're not that sophisticated. You just get all excited when you're winning or when your stock went up 20%. You really got happy. But your God stays up all the time. Your God never drops value. Your God never goes down. He doesn't have a down market. He's always up there. He's always great. He's always powerful. He's always blessing. He's always saving. When are we going to catch up with him? And start telling him, you're doing a great job being God. Just get me through this week. You've done a great job. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to praise you. I don't want rocks praising you. You got me. Now, see, even to have a conservative church getting this rambunctious right now, you're nervous. We've done this two weeks in a row. You say, whoa, I don't know this. I didn't know you can do this. You can if you ask everybody. But I didn't know we had to go through headquarters. We just got to go through him by the spirit, adore him in truth. And if you do it in truth, with all your heart, help yourself. Help yourself. God, deliver me from a frozen church. That we've got a ton of knowledge, but a frozen inside because I'm just not made that way. Well, why don't you repent and say, God, you know how I am made. And if you affect your people from out throughout the Bible, I was going to read you the 50 things some said you can do. It's too long, but I'll just give you a few. In Psalms, the inspired worship manual of the Bible, he said they did this when they worshiped God. They worshiped, they praised him, they exalted him, they extolled, magnified, loved, rejoiced, glorified him, exalted him, served him, stood in awe. Feared him, blessed him, shouted for joy. That's this church down the street. Uh, Sing to, sing praise to, be glad in, delight in, clap hands before, behold the beauty of, boast in, lift up hands to, make a joyful noise to, ascribe unto, pray to, cry out to, call on, sacrifice, bow down, seek, wait on, taste and see, rest in, kneel before, talk, declare, vow, meditate, remember, bring offerings, lift up your soul, lift up your eyes, stretch out your hands, honor, confess sin, commit yourself, make melody, make petition, listen, 50 things. If you do one of those things today in his name, he'll bless you. Just do one of them. See, we've so concealed lukewarmness and coldness because we bought in. You're not supposed to be responsive. And the bride is withholding her body from her bridegroom. And he's no longer bearing fruit through the bride because she's totally unavailable. Romans 7 says the bride is available to bear Christ's fruit. Now, let me tell you something about worship. He goes on to say here, not only your will, he said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Mirabah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. 
I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I want to say this about worship. We are never to be impressed with what we do towards God in worship. Don't fall in love with your way of worship. Don't fall in love. Ooh, they really know how to worship. Or, ooh, they really sing. And they really know how to worship. No, no. Or get into this idea that worship is almost uh, penance. That you're so, uh, you get into this kind of thinking. Now, now you got to follow me. Well, they don't sing good enough to be able to be involved in worship. Or they're not good enough. God would, you know, God only accepts excellence. Lie. You don't have an ounce of Bible for that. I preached when I was 16. I didn't know how, but I did it. I did my best. And it wasn't very good. I feel sorry for those who heard me. But I was trying. Now, I mean, we try. So, you see, there's this tendency to get in love with what we do for God. Excellence is the name of the game. Now, hear me. He said, if you will hear my voice, you will understand there is a rest for the people of God. God is impressed with what he's done for us. He's not greatly impressed by what we do for him. You won't ever really worship until you become impressed that this rest, according to Hebrews, is entering into the finished work of Christ for us. He took this very theme and brought it to the book of Hebrews. says, there therefore remains a rest for the people of God. And that rest is you can cease from your own works Cease from your own activities and rest in God's completed work for you. And the greatest worship is when I can say, nothing in my hand to thee I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. I'm impressed with what you're giving me in Jesus. I'm not impressed with anything I offer you. My best is weak. My best won't pass the standard. What I'm impressed with is I have come into the excellent rest found only in Christ. Therefore, your worship becomes the adoration and adulation of God's great salvation stretched out arm in Christ. That I'm here to celebrate what he's done for me. I'm not here to build an institution on what I do for him. Come on. You need to cease from your own works. Your worship must not be works. Your worship must not be thinking self and meritorious impression on God. It must say, I can do no other for I'm resting, Jesus. I'm resting in all that you've done. You brought me out of the yoke of slavery. You brought me out of the yoke of my sins. That deep, dark night of wandering, straying from the fold of God. I am resting. I've heard your voice. I have not hardened my heart. And I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art.
daily I'm finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Jesus, I'm resting. I'm resting in you. And some of you need a rest. You've never ceased from your works. You've never ceased being impressed with you. And God says, I've got to rest. Hear my voice. Come and enter into the rest of my son. So you see in the Psalms, the different moods, the different involvements. One is truth. That's our intellect. Know something about God, the truth. One is to come and sing. That's our emotions. It's an emotional experience. Then it says, bow down. That's my will. I submit my will. Finally, I obey his voice. And I treasure that voice above all other voices. For through that voice, I entered into a deep set of rest in my soul that I sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. For I am resting in what he's done for me. I am not resting in what I do for him. Are you impressed with your God? Are you trying to make an impression? Stop trying to make an impression. All you can do is give him your best. And he in loving grace accommodates the worst singer among us. The worst musician. Those of you that can't even play the radio without static. It doesn't matter. He accommodates our poor poverty. What can we bring to such a noble God? Don't let anyone talk you out. You know, um, last night uh, I told Carolyn, I said, let's worship the Lord. Carolyn plays piano. She's not here. Uh, she plays a piano. When I don't know the, the note, she can figure it out for me because she knows that. I love music. She learned it. You know, I play everything by ear, and it's hard on the ear. And uh, uh, so there was a song I didn't know, and I said, please play this song for me. I want to get the melody. I will arise and go to Jesus, for in the arms of Jesus are 10,000 charms. I get Deborah to play it for me, but I had Carolyn. I said, play that. And she started playing the song she used to play uh, when we were dating. Uh, songs like, I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. Songs like, uh, trust and obey. Songs like, uh, Jesus, I surrender all. Songs that uh, we used to sing didn't take long until we were both on our knees. Adoring him. Praising him. And neither one of us can even make the worship team. All my guitar strings have been cut. (laughs) But guess what? My wife and girlfriend of 40 years. I said, sweetheart, we're doing the same thing 40 years later that we were doing when we met. Adoring him. Loving him. And saying, oh, what a wonderful Savior. We don't even sing that song. It's not contemporary enough. It's a waltz time. Nobody can worship with a waltz time. I sure can. I find when the Holy Spirit's running the church, you want to sing a lot about Jesus. Not about me, my, me, my, moo, my, my. It's about him, 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 him. You know why? The one member of the Godhead that went to the lowest depths for us The other two members of the Godhead had said, from now on, we'll promote you 
so they'll know he who went the lowest will be the highest in praise. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes,